This is the True Leader Podcast. Today, our special guest is Ovel Barbie, human resource strategist. And we talk about lessons and experiences in his new book, The Big House. Don't miss it. Welcome to the True Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We are life and business besties, leadership coaches and mentors, and polarity intelligence experts. We're the authors of Polarity Intelligence, The Missing Logic in Leadership, and co-founders of Missing Logic. We are here to help high-achieving leaders break through leadership norms that cause them suffering at work and home. If you're looking to elevate your leadership, increasing your productivity, effectiveness, and impact, and manage your health and well-being, spend quality time with those you love, and live your best life, then you are in the right place. Our goal in this podcast is to equip you with new ways of thinking and practical and tactical strategies for succeeding at work and thriving in life. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of personal and professional development so you can reach your full leadership potential, create a life you love, and be what we are calling a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable or true leader. If you are ready to learn and laugh a little, let's get started. Welcome to the True Leader Podcast. It's Michelle. And Tracy, back for another glorious day. Back for another glorious day in the studio, interviewing another glorious person. (laughs) How's that? Don't you love our life? I do. I mean, really. Like, we get to meet the most amazing people. We get to be together. We have this amazing place we do our work in. Like, Uh, geez. I know. Pinch me. I know. Don't. And I think what's really great, and it's in the, today's an example with our interview, is how someone we interview and get to know says, oh, you need to meet this person. Then we meet that person. And then each of these relationships continues to grow. It's just like a web of you awesomeness. Know, awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and have, we're at the center. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it's really, you know, we're, what is it? Six degrees of separation, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You know, all these amazing people. Exactly. So very cool. So today we interviewed uh, Oval Barbie, and uh, he happens to live in the same area we do, uh, but his work is all over the country, just like ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was introduced from a mutual friend. We met him for a cup of coffee. We've stayed in touch. And... He just wrote a book, which we're going to talk about on today's podcast, and today it happened. Yeah, yeah. Such a lovely person. He really is. Just really, really enjoy talking with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very wise and grounded and just, yeah, really. Ready. Kind of... He's really ready to do good work in the world. I mean, oh, not that oh. he hasn't already. Oh, well, it's not like you haven't already. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's been doing a ton of good work, and he's got more in him, I can tell. Yes. So, yeah. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Obel. Oval Barbie is the owner and principal of Oval Roman Associates. is also a renowned visionary human resources leader, consultant, and speaker with a passion for diversity, equity, and inclusion. He's held executive leadership roles at Fortune 500 companies. And as a respected human resource and DEI thought leader, Ovel is an accomplished and sought-after speaker who chaired the National HR Healthcare Conference in 2022. 
He offers guidance and advice on HR and DEI topics through his website, askobel.com. And uh, he he has received a number of awards. Mm-hmm. So Ovel has been honored as a top 100 chief diversity officer by the National Diversity Council, as a top 50 under 50 executive by the National Black MBA Association, and as a top 100 human resources professional by OnCon. He was the 2020 recipient of the City of Grand Rapids Walter Co. Public Service Grant Award, or Giant Award, as well. Wow. And he shares his life story and lessons learned in a book titled The Big House, A Human-Centered and Progressive Approach to DEI and Positive Workplace Engagement. So without further ado, here's our incredible interview with Obel. Well, hey there, Oval. Welcome to the True Leader Podcast. We're so excited you're our guest today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here to join you guys. Yeah, we're, we're very excited to have you. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, yeah, first things first, Oval, we'd like you to tell our leaders why you wrote your book, The Big House. Now, I'm excited to talk about the big house. And of course, I have one handy. Oh, of course. (laughs) But I decided to write the book because as my career progressed, I would have a number of people, not just diverse people, asking me, how did I do it? In terms of me being very relatable to people's stories, um, in terms of my early childhood experiences and me feeling like I stayed true to the core. And over time, I said, my gosh, if this is helpful to other people in that, if it gives them a ray of hope, if I could do it, they can do it also. That's the order. I decided to write about the key learnings that helped me grow my career and couple them with recommendations for organizations to do better in the space of human resources and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I just I really enjoyed the way you wrote your book. It, and it was a both and it was your story and it was strategies and recommendations for organizations. So it made it a really easy read. And mm-hmm. um, so I just wanted to give you a shout out for that right away. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I accept all shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very enjoyable, mm-hmm. very easy to read and very enjoyable. Yeah. And in the book, you talk about a lot of the challenges that you have faced and uh, personally in HR, in organizations and corporate in the corporate world. But what's like one of the most significant challenges that you have faced um, as a leader in DEI spaces? I gave you the answer intentionally. The challenge is silence. As you guys were looking like, oh, well, I think we lost them. The Wi-Fi must be bad. <laughs> that is the easiest question for me to answer. It is really silence. It's just interesting mm-hmm. that as you start having those necessary conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the need to do better, a lot of times the room can go to complete silence. And I love doing that because what happens is you always have the rescuer like, 
oh my God, I think we lost the well or his PowerPoint <laughs> isn't working as I sit there and just look stoically. Because without the conversations, we're not going to make any progress at all. You have every side of um, viewpoints and opinions, people saying, why do we always have to teach? Others saying, I don't want to listen. And so how do you meet in the middle and, and begin the steps necessary to make progress? So that is the most significant challenge I have faced is, is silence. Yeah. And what do you what do you do sometimes to break that silence? <laughs> That's a great question. I like the unrehearsed nature of the unanticipated question, especially <laughs> when you feel like you have a good answer. So the mantra, a couple of mantras are associated with me. One is stop the silence. And the second is use your voice. And I have experienced throughout the years, people contacting me as an HR professional and leader wanting to meet with me. And most of the time, I don't have a clue what the meeting subject is going to be about. I make myself available and always have. And a lot of times people express a range of emotion and in, in gearing up for those discussions with me. It could be anger, sadness, et cetera. And I'm hanging on their every word, listening to me, to them. Tell me about something that happened at work. And at the end, I typically stutter through my question to them, which is, did you say anything? And a lot of times people say no because of the sense of security with the job, describing uh, horrendous events that have occurred in the workplace. And I developed the counter to stop the silence, which is hashtag use your voice. You know, mm -hmm. you should have said something. It was like a missed opportunity mm -hmm. for the individual. And this card I have, I always carry it with me. It says, hashtag use your voice. And under the hashtag, it says, I will use my voice too. And then you fill in the blank mm -hmm. and in terms of like giving people encouragement to speak up when they feel like they have um, experienced something personally or on behalf of someone else. It's, it's very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we in our work with polarity intelligence, the missing logic and leadership, one of the components is meaningful dialogue. And there's one of the first principles is uh, to create intention and psychological safety. And we have a principle on silence and a principle on listening and advocacy. And so there's a lot of connections, like people have to feel mm -hmm. safe to speak up and share their thinking behind their thinking. Otherwise, none of us will know and we'll, we'll never reach that mutual understanding. Um, and so there's a lot of connections to creating that safe place. Yeah, I think so, too. And one of the things that came up for me is, you know, sometimes when I've been in situations where there's like radio silence, <laughs> you know, it's just to say, what's the silence about? To ask, to use inquiry. Yes. To see if you can get people to speak up about, are they uncomfortable? You know, like what is going on for the individuals in the experience so that we can, you know, create a space for somebody to speak if yes. they are so inclined to do that and share what actually is going through their to their mind. Yeah, a lot of alignment with your work in terms of, you know, helping leaders understand their roles in, in all of this in yes. terms of the work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let me ask one more question. <laughs> um, what What do you think is behind the silence? Like in your experience? I think that it is such a political climate or we're living in such a political climate that it's not that there is a male intent with the silence. A lot of times people are wrestling with, you know, choice of word, um, not wanting to be viewed in a, a, a counter perspective in terms of either not supporting or, or supporting or just not feeling comfortable if they have questions. And to get beyond that, if we were to place our feet in someone else's shoes, my experience as a diverse leader, and I never give people a pass for saying that, well, people are going to be uncomfortable because you could have uncomfortable experiences, you know, walking through your neighborhood, going through, going to a, a, a store, um, being followed by the police and you're going to speed limit. It's like there's a range of experiences that people have and how do we find that common denominator as human beings and seek to understand the perspective that others have. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot that goes into the silence as an option, but you know, you can't tell yourself the wrong story about it. I Right. Yes. That's mm -hmm. so true. Yeah. We can make a lot of assumptions, right? So, um, so really, it is the dialogue, the conversation, the, the, the speaking your voice, using your voice that will, again, really help to create understanding, shared understanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Another question, Oval, is, you know, you focus on systemic approaches in the book and you describe them as the three P's. So what led you to coming up with the three P's and the thinking behind them? Now, very interesting, like throughout the book, I tried to come up with um, catchphrases or, you know, uh, descriptions that people would remember taking this complex body of yeah. work and making it as, as easy to remember with recommendations as possible. So as I um, took on additional re responsibilities as uh, a reminder for people that I was mostly an, uh, an HR or human resource leader my entire career. Mm -hmm. At the tail end, I was asked to assume oversight of the DE&I activity and became a chief diversity officer. So I had to learn the space. I was very vulnerable in asking questions and with a goal of not wanting to offend anyone. And part of my learning, I learned um, from practitioners the importance of fixing systems as it relates to producing better outcomes in the space of DE&I. And as you start thinking about systems, like what are systems that lead to disparate outcomes? You start thinking about policies, processes, procedures, and an easy way to remember those three categories are the three Ps. I was in a forum recently where one of the presenters also referenced, and as you look at the three Ps, you also have to look at the players or the people involved in those mm -hmm. processes also, which was very interesting. Mm -hmm. It wasn't enough to make me say the four Ps, but it, <laughs> it was a good reminder that behind all of those systemics or systems are, are people. 
And so what happens in the DEI space is if you take a systemic approach, your recommendations, it may take longer to see the results of the of your changes. And uh, that's why I also talk in the book about um, systems versus charity. The work is not intended to be short term in nature. Most of us as, as kind, caring human beings. The example I like to provide is if we all heard that there were children in need of gloves, most of us would raise our hand to assist in offering the short-term solution. Here's a pair of gloves or some money to buy them. But if we started having deeper conversations about the why, why are these children in need of gloves? Is it access? Is it the cost? You know, what are the reasons? You'll have fewer people weighing in to come up with solutions. And unfortunately, that's the direction we need to take is to fix the systems that lead to those outcomes. And that's where it takes the collective efforts of all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think um, one of the things I took away as well was that putting those systems, systematizing this, so to speak, uh, providing the infrastructures, tools, those types of things really moves it beyond that popular thing to talk about, right? And moves it from that into action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the sentiment, it, you know, it varies across the country within our community in terms of DE&I activity. Um, you know, I have a personal aspiration that as I, you know, travel the country and deliver speeches that I want all of us to be willing to advocate on behalf of someone else and be willing to do that in a proactive manner versus waiting and then this big event occurs and then we decide. I think that if we are able to do that, we can build better communities and we all benefit then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and actually inherent in that too is the polarity of individual and system. So like other things that Tracy and I have worked with with organizations on that are transformational efforts, which is what this is, is Mm -hmm. it's the system and every individual has to be very well aware of it, look at their own beliefs, their own way of conversing, their own. And um, it's 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 an and in both. Right. So Mm -hmm. you have to you have to approach both perspectives. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying the awareness may not mean that the person is required to change also. Mm-hmm. It could be that as they are aware of how they interact with people who have, you know, different beliefs or mm-hmm. um, perspectives, how that um, impacts them in weighing in on conversations. It could be that, you know, you decide, you know, you meet in the middle. Who knows what the, the prob- probabilities are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, it's that openness. And again, yes, when you're creating a safe culture, then, you know, and understanding, uh, you know, working from a shared purpose, share, you know, working towards a greater purpose or from a shared purpose, then that can change the conversations as well, change the openness of the individuals to hear the various perspectives and start the conversation, you know, the deeper conversation, not the surface stuff, you know, really getting to the heart of things, because that's where the change will start to happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, allowing us to, you know, find that common denominator, which is Mm -hmm. very important. Yes, Mm -hmm. it really is. Yeah, it is very important. Yeah. So you have started something called Ask Ovel, and I'd like you to tell our listeners about it, kind of why you started it, what's behind it, and uh, how you're using that to really kind of brand yourself in your effort. Very interesting. I start to date myself and place myself solidly in a generation. I was always the kid scurrying toward the front door when the newspaper arrived and I would tear through the newspaper and I would always read the advice columns. Uh. So it's interesting (laughs) that I secured Ascoville as a URAL, I think back in 2004 or 2005. I I planned on um, at some point giving people advice because I had heavy influence from my grandparents and people would always ask me, you know, perspective or opinions about situations. And I felt like what was missing was the male perspective because you had Ann Landers and Dear Abby. Very rarely did you have, you know, a male perspective. But many years later, what I experienced working in HR is I would get calls from people and they would stuttered through an intro to me saying, hey, you know, I got your name from somebody and you work in HR and I'm wrestling with something at work. And I really want to talk to someone in HR, but I don't want to talk to someone at my company. So that's a whole nother podcast in terms of HR or not. But it's so interesting, the questions that I had been asked. And I decided that For me, I feel like that's a role that I play in the village or in the greater community is giving people recommendations to help them navigate through, you know, everyday situations, because there is something about the security of your job and your employment where you want to make sure that you get some perspective when you unfortunately may be navigating some tough situations. So Askovel is my platform to do that. I've been receiving questions and providing answers in like two to three minute video snippets where I talk about the question that was asked. And here is, you know, my perspective. And I do have a trademark tagline. Are you guys ready for my tagline? I am. Yes, we are ready. Write it down. When I complete the um, uh, providing the answer, I end by saying, and remember, you better ask somebody. (laughs) (laughs) that's great yeah oh that's awesome you know i just had to say you light up when you talk about this Mm -hmm. you you (laughs) your whole energy just shifted and you just like lit up which just i don't know that just means to us you're following your purpose, your passion. And I think it's a great, I just a great concept. And when you know it comes to HR things, there is a real sensitivity about do I go to my oh. HR, but where do I find an HR resource I can trust? Even if it's a sometimes it might seem like a generic question, you know? Yeah. But if it's not right. if they don't feel safe, right. right, then it just goes unanswered. So I think that's awesome. That's so yep. great. So there, I think there definitely is a need. I've been building a, lots of questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That is really awesome. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, okay, so we know you got the book out, and uh, we've been following you on social media, and you've been speaking all over. Before we started the podcast interview today, you were like, in, just got home from six out of seven different places speaking, <laughs> and uh, so just you know, tell tell our listeners, you know, what are some of the outcomes you want from speaking around the country related to your book and and really your expertise. Now, it's a great question, one that I have really given a lot of thought to. I went to a, a speaker's boot camp and they really press you to answer the question, you know, what's so special about you and what do you want as a desired outcome as you deliver speeches? And most of the participants, we all kind of, you know, thought about it methodically uh, with a lot of introspection. And, and I hit on part of my answer earlier when I was talking about the need for us to proactively advocate on behalf of others. And that is how I end, you know, my um, speeches that I'm making is really a push, a mm -hmm. call to action for people to raise their hand in a proactive manner and be willing to advocate on behalf of someone. Someone said to me, they said, oh, well, you know, that's great. And, but you need to provide examples. And, you know, I really thought about like, what are examples that are kind of everyday like, but may not be, you know, as normal. Like if you're in the vicinity and you hear someone say, you know, call 911, you're the first person without hesitation to start dialing. Or you're walking through a shopping center and you see the elderly person carrying bags one of them falls and you're the first person to decide to help mm -hmm. or you decide, you know, in my harried existence, I'm going to hold the door for someone who looks like they may not have an available means to do so. So those are examples of everyday experiences that we could be in where we make a choice. Am I going to help or not? Or am I going to just look away? <laughs> and, like, I don't notice the individual. Right. So that is what I want as an outcome. And I think that collectively, as a community, society, world, however you want to describe it, we will be better off in the long run. It doesn't mean tackle the mountain, but you mm -hmm. can make a choice to help someone else. Yep. One yeah. person at a oh, time. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, this has been so great just yes. to get a little bit more under the covers, listening to the intention and uh, a little bit more about your story and really want to encourage our listeners to uh, read your book. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about where they can find that at the end. But before we go to that, we have some questions for you, because in addition to the Oval that has been very successful as a human resource strategist and now... Uh, speaking across the country on DEI and some of these simple principles that can really make a difference. We want to know a few things about the true you. So I'm going to ask you one question. <laughs> Tracy's going to ask you the second question, and then we'll wrap up our interview. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So the first question is, because we were really talking about this, what do we want to ask? <laughs> <laughs> what and do we want to know? We, we have, uh, we just really want to know what do you do for fun? <laughs> A lot of people ask me that. It's, it's very interesting because 
my accountability partners in every organization, the number one category that I get horrible marks in is taking vacation. And so it's, it's a grind for me. And out of the seven trips, truly one of the trips was a personal vacation. And it was a nightmare experience, me going to Myrtle Beach around the Ophelia storm, highs in the 60s, pouring rain and high winds. I ended up coming back early. But I would say the things that I really enjoy, I always describe myself as a foodie. I'm notorious for asking people for restaurant recommendations. It doesn't have to be fine dining. People tell me, Well, you use restaurants to give directions. That is very (laughs) true. So what I do for is I like the experience of getting a restaurant recommendation, pouring through the menu, making a decision, and then going, oh, my God, that was awesome. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful. I actually had that on my list of questions to ask you. I actually thought about yeah. that. I thought, oh, I should ask him what he likes to I'm, eat. I'm definitely a foodie, a foodie. And, <laughs> which is the reason why I run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to wear that stuff off, right? Don't want any. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, I have a question for you. Now, this kind of stems a little bit from a personal experience myself. So my son was a huge U of M fan, like from the time he was a tot, right? Ended up going to the Ohio State University to get his PhD. And while he was there, it was a little bit difficult to be a U of M fan in enemy country, right? <laughs> and he would sit sit in his apartment with the drapes closed and cheer on his team <laughs> when they would play each other. And we noticed in your book that you went to both U of M and Michigan State. And so I just wondered what your experience was with, you know, going to two competitive rivals, (laughs) being uh, a student of both. Pass. (laughs) It's a great question, one that I am asked because I went undergrad to U of M and master's number one at U of M. And then I enrolled at Michigan State at a later point. And I was so bold as to wear a Michigan baseball cap in in class. People would literally throw things at you. And it's really interesting. I had an opportunity to go to a Michigan State football game recently, and I I don't own anything green. I'm a diehard Wolverine. I don't know if people will be able to see this picture at the game. I actually took a picture. Oh, you and Sparty. Sparty. Yes. Yeah. said that they are going to forever bribe me with that particular photo, but uh, a very interesting experience. Yeah. 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 It was for my son, too. And by the by the time he graduated, because he got his master's there and then his PhD, and then he taught for a while, by the end, he would just sit in the stands with his U of M stuff <laughs> on and all of his close friends knew. Yeah. You know, but, He's a yeah. brave man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I have a son that's a U of M big, big fan who married a Spartan graduate 
and the same thing. You know, it's just it's just a fun family rivalry. So we yeah. just that really popped out at us. Yeah, forty nine to zero kind of seals the you know is it a rivalry? Or yeah, not, this year not, <laughs> not much of one, was it? <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Oh gosh. Oh well, thank you. This has just been awesome, as we knew it would be. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, any closing remarks that you want to make for our listeners, Oval? You know, I'm I'm the guy who likes to think about it. I, I would say, as you think about, you know, my message of choosing a cause, a reason to advocate on behalf of someone else, it doesn't mean that you have to boil the ocean or, or climb a mountain. You can make a decision to be kind to one individual yes. or to be helpful to mm-hmm. someone because you don't know what the future holds for yourself or for the individual. And I guess I would close by saying that I'm a proponent of making sure that every decision you make, you are the author to the question, how are you going to be remembered? And that could be a whole nother podcast, but just as a reminder, be purposeful with the decisions that you make. Yes. Mindful choices. Yeah. Mindful choices. Be good. Yeah. That's a great message. And how can our listeners find you or find your book? No, thank you for for that. The book is available on all of the major retailers, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, locally, online options, Schuler's, Baker's. We are lit. For those who are interested in um, bulk orders, 10 or more, if you order from my website, then you will get an automatic discount for bulk orders. And if you know me and you want an individual autograph, if you order from my website, then I autograph all of the individual orders that come through askovell.com. Just as a thank you for your support of my efforts. Wonderful. That's wonderful. That's really great. Oh, that's so great. Well, it was just fabulous to have you yes. on the show today and lovely to connect with you again. And I'm sure you guys there's... are doing great work and congratulations on your book as well. Excited ah. to Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's it for the show today. Um, another wonderful episode of the True Leader Podcast. And we hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, share it with others. Spread the word. <laughs> Do something kind for another leader. <laughs> use your voice. <laughs> yeah, use your voice. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, you can also make sure that you don't miss any kind of uh, of any of our, our episodes. Uh, just subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to see us uh, on video, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. So we appreciate you being here. And until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind to others. Yes. And use your voice. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.